again. Are we gonna do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them brakes. Welcome to Highway Freaks, Real Truckers, Real Life. Tonight, we have Canadian Lady Trucker Janet. We have Ramblin' Rose, Winged Will, and my brother from another mother, J-Man the Snarl. You're listening to Fry Guy, your esteemed host, The Road Dog. We're all glad to be back. We've got everybody intact, and what a week we've had. Let's start with Ramblin' Rose. How was your week there, Rose? My week is good. I, I have a good week every week. So my life is like the Groundhog Day movie. It's the same thing every day. <laughs> but that's good. Right. So, anything exciting happen? Oh, like exciting? Uh, not really. No, I'm serious. I just basically, I, I fix food around here, do the laundry, I bake the cake, and this new recipe is called the World's Best White Cake Ever. And my family agrees. That's pretty much it. I, I really don't have a very exciting life, and I'm kind of happy about that. How about that amazing pumpkin loaf? Have you done one of those lately? I haven't. I have not made any pumpkin bread for a while. Uh, well, you haven't been through town. Soon. I was going to say, you haven't been coming through town, so I haven't been making one. I can well, whip one up in the time, though. I can <laughs> tell you, my boy Bandit has been definitely asking for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he puts the Bandit eyes on me, and then he <laughs> just kind of says, Come on, Dad, I want Rose's beautiful pumpkin cake. And I look at him and I say, well, we'll just wait till we get to Billy. And that's what we do. So, Will, how was your week? My week was productive, I guess. Had to uh, take care of uh, my girl's bandages from her surgery all week. And um, it's uh, it's been kind of a relaxing week. And... It life's pretty good right now. That was my week. Well, let's 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 just let's just hold our breath for a minute because it, it's a pretty elongated, kind of elongated week. How about you, there, Canadian lady trucker Janet? How was your week? Exhausting. I've been dealing with three dogs that have not been feeling all that well, and I finally got Hi. down and took them to the vet yesterday. Got the medication. Spent more money than I really had. But it was worth it. I got my first sleep. Yeah. When I got my first full night's sleep in like eight days. So yeah, big difference. I get you. Uh, man, it's under the weather too, guys. Uh, he's had the uh, shits for the last three days, and I don't know what it was. Initially, I thought I made a mistake in actually giving him some chocolate that was in a peanut butter pie, um, but that all got cleared up but it seems to still uh, be hanging around. So I'm giving them less and less of the dry food and uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, the fancy beef Caesar and, of course, a little bit of his cheese. So he's uh, woke me up every day uh, for the last three days, and he wakes me up at about 4 in the morning. It's like he has those desperate eyes. I got to go and uh, get out there and get it done for him. So, yeah. But I was... This is what I was dealing with all week. Three dogs with, with diarrhea and everything else. And they so were fun. No, and with it lasting that long, you know, we did the uh, uh, dewormer and then we did some antibiotics. And within the first 
four hours, he could see the difference. I give him a little pink pill uh, with a little slice of cheese in it, and I gave him a Benadryl, and it made a big difference on the first night. And he didn't need the Benadryl. He was panting like uh, like a storm, uh, literally just drooling constantly, drool coming out of his mouth. And I was very worried. So um, basically I ended up giving him those two things, and he stopped the drool, but the diarrhea still continued, but he got less and less and less. And now it's at the point where I think it's almost like phantom diarrhea. It, a little bit comes out, and, and you know, I. But I, I think he's like thinking, oh, I got to do lots, and he doesn't. And um, hopefully by tomorrow this will be gone. But I'm going to get him some rice tomorrow. I'm sitting in, of all strange places, you wouldn't believe this, Boise, Idaho, in a field, literally, um, out in the Tuolese, doing my delivery here tomorrow. Uh, I got really kind of messed up. Mother Nature decided to screw around with my paycheck again. And I-84 was closed this time, uh, going up the, um, the mountain there from Pendleton. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Janet. And, uh, yes, I've never heard of ice smoke. Have you ever heard of that one? Yes. Really? I've yes. heard of ice fog. What in the hell is ice smoke? <laughs> I've heard of it. I don't know if I can explain it, though. Okay. Rose, have you heard of it? I haven't. Okay. From what I understand, it's the ice is melting at such an extreme rate due to the humidity that it causes literally smoke, like like a fire smoke, not like a fog, like a fire smoke. It's completely different between smoke and fog. And this is what it was caused last night. And uh, there was about 200 trucks. I was stuck at the Wild Horse Casino, and it actually decided to make its way into the casino um, by accident. And and they all liked them. They all thought it was pretty cool. But I put a, I, put, I had a, I had an orange <laughs> and yellow vest on, so he looked a little bit like a therapy dog. <laughs> I saw those pictures. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute. Yeah. Right. So prior to that, I had a week off, and my wife and I binge watched a lot of stuff. We binge watched that '90s show, which I thought was pretty good. I thought it was okay. Uh, it certainly wasn't as funny as that 70s show, but it was pretty good, uh, especially with Bez and Chez Bez and his hair salon. I thought that was really good. I liked the cameos with Donna and Eric and uh, Kelso and Jackie, although they are very short-lived. But I think without Red and Kitty, that show would never have survived. So that wasn't bad. Then we watched Yellowstone. Love Yellowstone. Can't get enough of it. Saw the final episodes. So I've got to wait till the summer now, like everybody else. I don't know why producers are doing that, but they are. And then we also watched Tulsa King, Sylvester Stallone's new uh, hit, which is the same guy that did Yellowstone, Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. And that was an amazing show. Gangster in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A lot of humor as well. And then we binge-watched another uh, show called Shotgun Wedding, which I'm going to do a movie review on tonight as well. Uh, ah, other, other Jennifer Lopez, we, we, we watched that. Yes. yes. Is that the Jennifer good. Lopez one? Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Did you like it? It was very good, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be intrigued to know what my movie review is on that. Yes, I yep. will. I'll look forward mm-hmm. to it. I'm going to talk about Cindy Williams' death uh, out of her biography. Uh, she recently passed away. And I'm also going to talk about the 
ten most stinkiest people in Hollywood tonight. You. And then we have the announcement that everybody has been waiting for. Uh, I'm fighting at the bit to tell people we will wait a bit, but we have hooked up with a Canadian band, Canadian rock band from 1978. It was my idol band when I was growing up, and I will disclose that in the middle of the podcast. But until now, Janet, you have a cool topic about TAs that I want to hear about. Sure. Well, as we all, most of us know that have been in the industry for a little bit, um, the TA and Petro kind of merged back in 2007. Uh, I think the purchase price of the Petro by TA was about $700 million. And this year, the TA was bought out by BP, another company that I'm sure everybody has seen down in the U.S., uh, but it is actually a U.K.-based company, and it has uh, fueling stations throughout the U.K., U.S., and Australia. So a lot of their fuel stops are kind of off the beaten path. They do have some on the main interstate, but a lot of them are off the beaten path. So it, it might not be a bad thing. Um, they are investing, uh, like BP apparently invests regularly into the company to better the company, which is good for the truckers, right? They're looking at increasing convenience by the way of location. And they're also looking at increasing the availability of bioenergy like uh, natural gas and hydrogen. And they're also putting a billion dollars into EV charging stations throughout the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So... Just a brief little update on that. But, yeah, it's, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. You, um, on another topic, do you remember that TA in Woodstock, Ontario? Yes. It's gone. Yeah, I heard rumors of that. And I know yeah. that I know that when the TA took over Petro, that's when a lot of the iron skillets, pardon me, the iron skillet restaurants went by the wayside and were replaced yeah. with fast food. Because yeah. the Irish skillet had some of the best food out there. And a great buffet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was shocked. Uh, last time I went to Ontario, the uh, TA was literally uh, completely dismembered. Uh, that's a good word for it. And um, where people are parking now is at the Quality Inn. And they're just loving it because they get these complimentary breakfasts in the morning and the TA people that were originally going there are now going to the Quality Inn to have breakfast. So okay. it's a win-win for them. Smart, smart people to do that. So, yeah. uh, and I told them I'd give a shout-out next time that I was on the podcast, and there's your shout-out, Quality Inn. Keep up the good work. So, um, Rose, you have a topic. What's your topic tonight? Well, I've got a couple different things I'm going to talk about. Um, Monday on the 20th is President's Day here in the United States. And when I was growing up in elementary school, we have literally Washington's birthday, and then a couple weeks later we have Lincoln's birthday. And we didn't get the day off school, not like they do now. And then at some point they just combined them all and just made President's Day. So there will be no banking, no mail on Monday the 20th. So coming up, aside from President's Day on Monday the 20th, is National Love Your Pet Day, which I think we can all easily do. 
And I, on a personal note, am just very grateful that my dog doesn't have whatever it is you guys' dog has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been fun. Oh, no, no. He's solid as a rock, and I'm very happy about that. <laughs> but I, see I, think, how I make him. I think Bandit has pet truckeritis. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a big adjustment. He's been home, and now he's back on the road. And that's a little bit of adjustment. Yeah. Food-wise, you know, just the whole thing. And he had his sisters playing with him. Did he eat different food at home than he would normally eat on the truck? That kind of thing. I, I got to share this with you. He, he, he almost had a heart attack at home, and I'll tell you why. My stepson has a dog named Maisel. And I never understood the name. I was like, Maisel, why would somebody name a dog Maisel? Now, think about this. The dog's name is Maisel, and this is how it came to be. And Randy, my, my uh, stepson's wife, says, you want a dog? Matt says, may as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the dog got its name. It's a little Boston Terrier. It runs at a million miles a minute. Guess what? That ass here can't keep up. <laughs> he bombed around with this dog. He was enamored with this dog, and he was going. She <laughs> 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 was dying. <laughs> expand it, and it slowed down, and he just would not stop because the dog would bomb around, and I honestly, seriously thought he was going to drop dead. It was the scariest thing, but, like, yeah, it was quite comical, but anyway, carry on. He's got, what if he got that little trucker five pounds on him that he needs to get out to keep? Uh, <laughs> I am more like yes. double that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Him and I both. So, yeah, it sneaks up on you, believe me. So, also on the 20th, which I have no problem with because I'm a jammy pants kind of girl, it's National Comfy Day. That sounds like a good one. And there's also National Cherry Pie Day, which goes along with the whole president thing. Now, the big one that I think people will like, if you didn't know about this, it's kind of a neat deal. The 21st, which is Tuesday, which is Fat Tuesday, and that, I don't know if that moves around, but anyway, it's always in February, it's always on a Tuesday. Uh, left the teen cake, you know, uh, New Orleans with the Mardi Gras parade and all that kind of stuff. But it's also National Pancake Day at the IHOP. You guys have those in Canada? Uh, I don't think we have an IHOP. Do we? Okay, well, well, they're here in the States, and you can get a free short stack of pancakes between 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. And it's a fundraiser they do this yearly for the Children's Miracle Network. And so you can make a quote-unquote donation. They give you the free pancakes, and then people make a donation if they want. And if they don't, they just come in and get the pancakes, and that's the end of it. Uh, so it's, it's a fundraiser, so it's a kind of a neat thing. But, you know, stop in from 7 to 4 and get some free pancakes. So um, now the, the uh, things that I have about Lincoln, Robert Lincoln was President Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's, son, and the only one to survive past his teenage years, and despite surviving adolescence, Robert was nearly killed on a train platform in around 1864. He was moving between the cars at a Jersey City train depot when he slipped and was nearly crushed between the heavy cars. Just as he fell, a man reached out and grabbed him by his coat. Robert recognized the man immediately. That was a narrow escape, Mr. Booth, he said. According to the account, the man was actor Edwin Booth. 
brother of John Wilkes Booth. He was traveling with John T. Ford, the owner of the Ford Theater, which is where Abraham Lincoln was very shortly after that shot by John Wilkes Booth. Is that not, what an ironic twist of fate. Very, very, I just thought, I, I, I get goosebumps when I read that. I was like, wow, that's something. So these are 13 weird coincidences between Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. Abraham Lincoln was elected to Congress in 1846. Kennedy was elected to Congress in 1946. Lincoln was elected president in 1860. Kennedy was elected president in 1960. Lincoln's wife lost a child while living at the White House. Kennedy's wife lost a child while living at the White House. Lincoln was direct, directly concerned with civil rights, as was Kennedy. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy who told him not to go to the theater. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln who told him not to go to Dallas. Lincoln was shot in the back of the head in the presence of his wife. Kennedy was shot in the back of the head in the presence of his wife. Lincoln was shot in the Ford Theater. Kennedy was shot in a Lincoln made by Ford. That was the car that he was. Lincoln was shot on a Friday. Kennedy was shot on a Friday. The assassin John Wilkes Booth was known by three names comprised of 15 letters. The assassin to Kennedy was Lee Harvey Oswald, known by three names comprised of 15 letters. Booth was shot, Booth shot Lincoln in a theater and fled to a warehouse. Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and fled to a theater. Booth was killed before being brought to trial. Oswald was killed before being brought to trial. There are theories that Booth was part of a greater conspiracy, and there are theories that Oswald was a part of a greater conspiracy. Lincoln's successor was Andrew Johnson, born in 1808. Kennedy's successor was Lyndon Johnson, born in 1908. Make of all that what you will. Very parallel universe stuff going on there, I think. Just a little. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, well, I would read that and I was just like, wow. Your mind really gets to, Very yeah, your mind really gets to reeling and it's like, how can that possibly be? But it is. You know, when you individualize all those facts, those, those all, all those little statements have facts that back those up. So it's not just like somebody made all this stuff up, you know. It's just somebody took the time to put it together and it's, I found it extremely fascinating and kind of, you know, yeah, are you here standing up a little bit? Mine are. <laughs> well, well, that's pretty much what I have to today. Enjoy President's Day with your pets in your jammy pants with your cherry pie on the 20th. And then go have pancakes on Tuesday. Or don't they call them flatjacks? Yeah. Hey, who, who, who's up for some flatjacks uh, right about now? That's not a Groundhog Day movie. That's a <laughs> Canadian. That's a Canadian term, eh? <laughs> Hey, hey, who's up for some flapjacks right about now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ma, get some flapjacks there, Charlie. Okay. Yes. And Fat Tuesday, Fat Tuesday is actually, it has links to the Catholic Church, because that is the beginning of Lent. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to interject for a minute. We, we do, like, I don't know how many Canada has itself, but we do have two IHOPs in Calgary. Yeah. Oh, well. Everybody but, in Calgary, pop on in there, get your free pancakes. Uh, yeah, I've never been there. I don't think they, they would hold that for us up here, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. And with that thought, we'll all get some pancakes and take a break.
That was presidentially fascinating, Rose. That's what I would call Thank it. Thank you so much. Never a dull moment with you, my dear. I, I, I love your topics. <laughs> love it. Thank so, you. <laughs> I watched Shotgun Wedding, and my wife and I, we were all jacked to watch it. We thought, oh, you, this is going to be a good rom-com. And, um, well, this is my review. It was rated number six on Amazon Prime Movies Review this month. So I figured, God, that's got to be good, right? Number six. So, and um, it stars Jennifer Lopez Affleck and Fergie Sex, Josh Duhamel, who, of course, was in the first or second Terminator movie, I believe. Um, it starts with basically a mid-50s couple having a lavish wedding on a beach resort in the Philippines, although, by the way, it's actually the Dominican Republic where it was shot. Now, Duhamel plays Tom, a washed-up 50-plus retired baseball player who has planned every meticulous aspect of his wedding. His fiance is Darcy, played by the effervescent J-Lo Affleck. The two end up bickering over piddly-ass little things that newlyweds usually do before a wedding, triggered by the helicopter landing on arrival of her suave debonair, chest hanging out of his tropical shirt to his naval ex-boyfriend, Sean, played by, of all places, people, rocker Lenny Kravitz. Okay? Then chaos happens with a group of heavily armed pirates crashing the wedding before Darcy and Tom say their nuptials. They kind of have a bit of a hip and the uh, other, you know, the wedding party gets taken hostage, except them, who they're off arguing on the sidelines, and J-Lo throws away the ring at him. He catches the ring, and you think, okay, they're broken up. Well, the masked intruders, and I mean kind of Halloween-like Freddy Michael Myers-style headgear, they, uh, they go to Darcy's dad, who's played by Cheech Marine. I didn't know that's how he pronounced his last name. I was always led to believe it was Marin. It's Marine, by the way. Um, he's supposed to give them $45 million to just go away. So next, you get a kind of guerrilla warfare it takes place between the pirates and the bride and groom and a Tom and Jerry kind of cat and mouse game. There's some comedy bits here taking place, like Skipper's mom, Jennifer Coolidge, brandishing an automatic weapon, stating, nobody f's with my family. Actually, the White Lotus uh, lady steals a great deal of the scenes with such lines as, like, I think they're talking to you, Robert, played by Keith Marin, whereas he replies to his ex-wife, yeah, yeah, thanks, Carol, thanks, Carol. Right? Lopez has some comedic abilities, I will give her that, such as repelling from a zip line with the groom Duhamel in, in check and dropping a grenade on one of the bad guys, and then they kind of get tangled up with one another in a comical moment. She has some zinger lines, too. Like, no, Tom is not a groomzilla, okay? He's just committed to making every detail perfect. Or this funny one, God, I think I'm going to die in this dress. Tom says, what cacophony? And then Darcy replies, oh, God, it's hard to explain. It actually means, F your grandpa. So Coolidge, however, gives one-liners, and she does it with such finesse, uh, such as when Renata says, you got my daughter rusty knives? And she replies, it's your something borrowed. Everyone in her family has them on their wedding day. It brings you a lifetime of good luck, except for Uncle Greg, who ended up getting decapitated on that forklift. But that's not the knives fault on this one. Or, when I'm in formal wear, I like to pee standing up. How about you? In the end, the triumphs over evil on a speedboat, and yes, there's a slight twist to who actually joins the pirates. But for the most eye-opening moment, 
Was Lopez seen in a cut-up wedding dress with army boots brandishing a gun? What? 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 It's interesting to note that J-Lo actually almost died in this movie. She has a very serious critical accident, Rose. And um, I'm just going to put you on the spot. What do you think that accident was? Where Any idea? Had the accident? Uh, yep. Is it the yep. zip lining thing? No, no, no. It's her wedding dress actually gets caught. It really did get caught in the spoke of the wagon wheel as it was hurtling over that cliff. Like they were, wow. they were, yeah, and Duhamel actually grabbed her and saved her with the wedding dress. It actually ripped from one of the tapes, and uh, we wasn't supposed to do that. And um, he grabs her and literally saves her life. And, wow. uh, yeah, pretty crazy. And the wagon actually goes over the cliff. And Loma, Lo, Lopez, her comment was, F, it was scary as F. So, <laughs> in conclusion, if you're looking for a predictable, quirky, lots of finger lines, rom-com, this will probably be for you and your significant other. As for Lopez still looking hot in the army boots with that chopped up wedding dress and lace, I give this one three of the five air freshers. That's Fry Guy at the movies. So, will you get a topic? Let's hear it. This is for T-Mobile people. 37 million customers have been leaked, so all their credentials, their credit cards, everything. I don't know. I would personally contact T-Mobile to make sure your uh, your account is safe. And if you haven't already, I would change all of your passwords. Wow. Yeah. 37 million is a... Uh, I'm a Verizon girl, but wow, that's, that's scary that, that your information can leak out like that. You'd think they'd have that better covered. Yeah. Well, and, you, you know, this happened sometime during the beginning of uh, of the year. So uh, it's taken this long for them to even, you know, talk about it, which is kind of wow. sad. That's sad. That's uh, I, I mean. That is sad. That's seven weeks. Yeah, I wonder how many of those users were actually contacted. Like, if if your personal data is out there, you might want to get your credit cards changed, your passwords changed, everything, man. T-Mobile is a pretty big company too. Yeah, I don't I don't know who the actual owner is, but it says the founder of uh, T-Mobile is a guy named John. A guy named who? John? Yeah, a guy named John. I don't I I don't really want to say the full name. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll just call him John Boy. Yeah, John Boy. John. <laughs> John the phone guy. Yeah. Actually, the owners forty eight point four percent is Deutsche Telekom AG, so it's not even owned by uh, a North American company. It's owned by a German company. Hey, yeah. there you go. <laughs> hey, no, no. Right. It's, it's owned by a German company. Sure, Schnitzel. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, not as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> so on a somber note, a very somber note, guys, we lost the iconic uh, actress uh, last week. Um, and I grew up with her. I'm sure a lot of you guys did. Cindy Williams passed away. Um... She was a funny, funny lady. Um, she was an American actress and a producer. Uh, she certainly became a household name as Shirley Feeney on the television sitcom Happy Days to start with, and then it was spun off to Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Okay. She appeared in the Francis Ford Coppola thriller, The Conversation, which uh, gave her quite the acclaim. Um, but uh, for eight seasons, she charmed America as Shirley Feeney, uh, who became Penny Marshall's best friend after Laverne and Shirley ended, by the way. Um, 
the show was like the odd couple met I Love Lucy. Uh, Cindy made her debut actually in American Graffiti as cheerleader Lori, and ironically, it was Ron Howard as her boyfriend, and who was her boyfriend when um, Fonzie was dating Laverne? Ron Howard. How weird was that, right? So who would have thought that? I think it was kind of planned by the producers of Happy Days myself, because that just sounds too coincidental. She married Bill Hudson, uh, formerly of the Hudson Brothers, and she had two children. The couple divorced in 2000. In her later years, she wrote a memoir on her life and actually turned it into a Broadway show. She was born in Van Nuys, California, Los Angeles area, on August 22, 1947. The family moved to Dallas when she was one years old, and then they returned to L.A. when she was 10. She had a sister named Carol Ann. As for her acting background, it started at a local church, and then later she acted in productions at the Birmingham High School, which graduated in 1965. She also attended in Los Angeles a college majoring in, of course, theatrical arts. Her filmography resume is amazing. It really is extensive, from B-movies to Gas F, Drive, she said, Beware the Blob, Travels with My Aunt, The Killing Kind, Mr. Rico, even the first nudie musical, more American graffiti, The Creature Wasn't Nice, U-F-O-R-R-I-A, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I go ufo Ria. Sounds like something Bandit has. The Joy of Natural Childbirth, playing herself. Big Man on Campus, Rude Awakening, Bingo, Meet Wally Sparks, and The Biggest Bear. Now, The Legend of William Tell, she also did. Stealing Roses, Waiting in the Wings, Still Waiting. And she was actually a talk show ghost uh, guest on Canaan Land. She also had bit role parts in actual TV series such as Room 222, Love American Style, Hawaii Five-0, Cannon, Police Story, Saturday Night Live, Mork and Mindy, Jay Perry Mason, Steel Magnolias, Lois and Clark, The uh, New Adventures of Superman, Touched by an Angel and Simple Rules and the Odd Couple, Cindy's daughter Emily, she's 42, now this is really wild, she's Kate Hudson's half-sister because Kate Hudson's first husband was Bill Hudson, formerly of the Hudson Brothers as well. Her father. Her right. father. Thank, thank you. Correct. Because he was, he was married to Goldie Hawn. Yes. Yes. And Zachary's 37. She's also Kate Hudson's half-brother. Okay. Um, Penny and Cindy, this is the coolest thing. They got their walk of fame together in 2004, and their stars are together. They remain, remain to this, this, this day. And um, Penny died back in 2018. And Cindy, right up to her death, they, they, they remained the best of friends. It's, that's so cool. You don't normally see that in a television series. Usually the, the other person hates the other person after they've they, you know, been with them for eight or ten seasons. Not these two. These two are amazing friends. Um, she lived a pretty lavish lifestyle. She basically kind of left $10 million to her family. Uh, she did sign, this is kind of cool too, a 1958 Edsel visor at an auto show. But she actually phoned a guy's wife from the Sacramento Autorama. He told Cindy upon meeting him that his wife was sick and couldn't attend. So she goes, okay, call her up. Let's talk to her and tell her to feel better. And he was kind of dumbfounded by it. And that's just the kind of lady that Cindy Williams was. Um, she donated a large sum of money to cancer research as well. Uh, she was only five foot four inches 
uh, so she was actually smaller than um, uh, the, uh, she was pretty close to Danny DeVito's height as, as well. She passed away from a long-term illness at age 75 on January 25th, 2023. But she was an amazing woman, and the world definitely has missed a great comedic talent. So, any you guys got anything to add about Cindy Williams? Do you remember any, any particular episodes of Laverne and Shirley that you found funny or anything like that? I still, re- I still remember the show. I mean, yeah. yeah. But you do remember her, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the neat thing about, uh, I think, our generation was that it was, TV was very purposeful. You, a show was on at a certain time. It was only on at that certain time. You sat down to watch it with your family or your brothers or sisters. That was it. And so you really connected with those shows back then, Happy Days and, um, just, oh, you know, a myriad of all the different shows. But now it's like 24-7 for TV and this is streamed and that is streamed and there aren't reruns anymore. Everything's just, you know, on demand and all that stuff. So I think kids kind of miss that uh, connection with shows that, that we used to have, like Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days. I miss the wholesome shows like those, you know? Yeah. 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 They, they were good. I, I remember certain episodes, like, of course, Lenny and Squidgy. I mean, and yeah. there's only, I think Lenny's the only one that's alive now. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, David. Michael McKean. Michael McKean. That's right. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He just, Squiggy just paid, passed away recently uh, in the last few years and Penny Marshall before that. So really the only originals I think are Michael McKean and I don't even know if Carmine's a, a, a available uh, now. Um, remember Carmine? Uh, that, was, that, was Shirley, that was Shirley's, that was Shirley's boyfriend originally in, in Laverne Shirley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, but yeah, so anyway, uh, we lost another good one. Okay, Janet, you got another topic coming up, I see. Yes, um, since the legalization of marijuana, um, the trucking industry, of course, we have our testing, and um, they brought in the clearinghouse, uh, drug and alcohol clearinghouse back in, I think it was 2020. Now, 41,000 tested positive for marijuana in 2022, which is up 32% since 2021, and basically it's well over 100,000 tested since they opened in 2020. Now, recreational marijuana is legal in 21 states in the U.S., and for med users, uh, 38 states. Now, the only issue I have with the testing for for marijuana is that it could be something you may have done 30, even 60 days ago and could still possibly at that point test positive. Some, some people still test positive uh, after 90 to 120 days. Too. Yeah. You know, and, and to be, I mean, for lack of a better word, you know, targeted for something you did like two or three months ago, I, I don't know. They need to look at the testing differently and be able to figure out how to determine if someone is actually impaired, if they've recently been doing it, you know. Um, I mean, I have nothing against recreational marijuana. I have nothing against medicinal marijuana. Um, I do have an issue with it when it comes to getting behind the wheel of an 80,000-pound wreck and running down the highway. 
Um, I myself personally, I, I use medicinal marijuana and, you know, for pain relief, for sleep, for anxiety, it works really well. Um, even CBD, uh, CBD is highly recommended for, you know, stuff like uh, arthritis, which a lot of us older drivers now are suffering from. Uh, you know, it works on inflammation and bringing it down. The problem is CBD has to have THC in it, a very tiny, tiny amount. But over the course of, you know, three months, maybe four months, um, the THC will build up in your system. And suddenly, even though you haven't been doing anything hallucinogenic, you're being flagged as somebody who, you know, is doing it recreationally every night in the back of the muck, right? So um, I think they have to figure out better testing for that. You know, I mean, a lot of this stuff, like uh, like I said, the CBD can replace narcotics, will allow a lot of drivers to be able to continue driving, you know, rather than taking heavy narcotics to, to relieve pain and, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, I think they have to seriously look at it and figure out a better way to test. I mean, that's all I got on that, but yeah. And they gotta allow, if I can add to that, they gotta allow things like CBD oil to go across the border, or things like, you know, I've given bandit CBD oil for yeah. ailments, and they don't, they don't. They get really, really anal about it. Well, and you know, I mean, they're fine with you bringing narcotics across as long as you've got a letter from your doctor stating that um, you're under their care, uh, the amount that you're taking does not impair your uh, your ability to drive, et cetera, et cetera, right? So as long as you have something to that effect, because I've done it, I mean, given all my medical issues, you know, um, uh, and I mean, most times after the back surgeries, uh, after, I mean, I've had five of them now, after four of them, I've been in a tracking under three months, right, with a back fusion. So um, there have been times where I, I had to take Tylenol 3s with me or something to that effect, where if I right. would have been able to take CBD, which was not a, not affecting my judgment in any way, I wouldn't have had to go through all that. So I think if they had it on prescription, which you can get, and if you had a letter from the doctor explaining the need for it and why, you know, like, then I, I don't think there should be an issue as long as you're able to carry up to a one-month supply because, let's face it, not all of us go, you know, on a 10-day router. Some of us are out there for three months or whatever. But in order to be able to get back to get your prescription refilled, 30 days, 30-day supply, I don't think that would be a problem. But there again, that's, that's the CBD over the recreational marijuana, right? So right. I just personally, I mean, if, you know, if you're, if you're working, a, very few of us do, but if you're working a five-day week, you know, you're off on the weekend, people can drink on the weekends and still be okay to test. But as soon as you get, you know, yeah, yeah one joint on the weekend, you know, say Friday night after work, you go back to work Monday and you haven't had anything else the whole weekend, you're not impaired, but you'll you'll flag the uh, the testing, right? So somewhere in there, something's got to change. Oh, yeah, I, I I quite agree. I'll tell you something really funny. In our town of Lacombe that I live in, there are more 
uh, churches and more pot stores than any other business. Uh, and you're not talking a population of 100,000. You're talking a population of about 12,000. We probably have about 50 churches, and we probably have about 10 pot stores. Hmm. How about you, Ramblin' Rose? Uh, have you uh, indulged in the wacky tobacco, or has it been in your family at all, or any any of that nature? Uh, well, it is legal here in Montana, recreationally and medically, which it was medically first. Uh, they just changed it here about a year or so ago with the election to have it be recreational. They taxed it like 23%, so it's significant uh, tax versus the medical marijuana. But then to get a medical marijuana card, it costs a little over $200. So you kind of want to weigh it out. Uh, personally, me, no, I don't. I, I do have fibromyalgia. I've got, uh, I call them the four horsemen of arthritis. So I've got some different arthritis going on and stuff, but I just uh, prescription pain medication, and um, so no, I don't personally invite. Um, what about the, because uh, you have a whole slew of young adults in your house. <laughs> have, they, have they indulged in it? Uh, we've got some pain issues to where, yeah, some of them do, so. Mm -hmm. um, but no, but nobody is, nobody's temporarily taking it now? No. Okay. No, not right now, huh? I, I actually did try way back, oh, quite, 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 quite a long time ago. Right. This peanut butter cookie. Uh, they, well, they're called edibles because they come in, like, brownies and cookies and fudge and all kinds of different stuff. Oh, holy bucket. I just ate not very much of it. It was a delicious cookie. Could ate the whole thing. I probably would have killed myself off if I had, but it was, it was just too much. It's too strong for me. Uh, just even that little bit that I ate, I was... Uh, I, I, bet I, make, I bet you can make some amazing pot cookies. <laughs> I actually I actually make gummies. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay. He makes yeah, gummies. I, I, I make cookies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you make you make pot cookies? What, oh yeah. What what are, what are you using for the? Because I I my understanding was you can't just like take whatever they call it, the bud or the grinds or I'm not that familiar with the wordage. Of it all, but you can't just like take that, put it in the brown. No. So what are you, what are you putting in? So well, you 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 would bake it first, right? So I I know it sounds kind of stupid, but you you have to get the cannabis to a certain uh, degree. I think it's like two seventy five for like I don't know five ten minutes to do what's called decarboxylation, and then you would take that cannabis and then uh, let it in, in a double boiler uh, usually. You would uh, put that uh, all that cannabis into the butter, which would be inside of a I don't know a substance like cheesecloth, and then you you just let it uh, stew and bake for well in in the in the butter for I don't know eight hours, and then you would use that butter like you'd strain it. You'd use that butter for um, in replacement for the regular butter, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Listen to Breaking Bad over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's similar when I do the when I do the gummies because I use I actually use an oil, um, coconut oil, and I'll make that, and then I'll it has to get mixed into the gummy mixture, and then of course I have to add some other emulsifiers and stuff like that. But yeah, they turn out reasonably decent. I did one batch already. Uh, Probably be lucky at doing another few batches here shortly. 
but I want to get into got, more of the edibles, right? I, I got to interject because this is so funny. Do you remember the that seventies episode when Red Kitty and uh, uh, Bob and uh, his wife get into the pot cookies that Hyde made? Yep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. That, I, Rose, if you have not seen that episode, download it. It's so freaking hilarious. They all basically, uh, they have this garage sale, and Hyde makes these cookies intentionally. But he didn't think that, you know, the adults would get into it. And, oh, my God, it's the funniest, <laughs> funniest episode. <laughs> it is. It is hilarious. Like, if you, if you are down... If you watch that episode, you're going to be up real fast. Because it's something you'll never see on TV. Though they never do that nowadays. But well, I, I, vaguely, I vaguely remember on Happy Days, Marion okay. Ross found a joint. Right. But I don't remember exactly what happened during Because hey, that's a long, long time ago. I think I was still a kid when I saw that. But, yeah, I remember her finding that... Uh, that joint, and I remember the disappointment because, of course, that was supposed to be portraying the '60s, right? So, oh yeah, oh, you know, so <laughs> pure, right? Well, I actually, I actually have met her. I met her uh, way, way, way back. Uh, my really? mom, yeah, my mom knew wow. her brother. Yeah, my mom knew her brother. Her brother had was like living she'd be really down to earth. Was she down to earth? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was a really that. sweet lady. Would, would yep. you guys believe my, my mom used to actually be uh, against cannabis? Yeah. No. Heavily no, against cannabis. That. Yeah. So, like, um, uh, teaching her about the CBD and the CBG and and all the other uh, cannabinoids in in that plant got, got her into, you, you know, uh, looking at it as more than just, you know, a, a high, which I, I feel like... A lot of people should uh, sh should look at it to, towards the benefits because there's there's well over 400 and I don't know 40 cannabinoids in inside of the the cannabis plant itself, right? It's just like well, and look at all the different strains, and each strain is yep. good for one thing or this or that or the other. So, uh, I mean, I was going on my experience, of course, as a teenager experimenting. Yeah. Um, you know, and I did not have good experiences because um, I had whatever strain I had at that time, I had an allergic reaction. So I was, in a way, a little terrified of it. And then, of course, I knew a lot of hotheads as I was growing up who, you know, were lazier than crap. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of good things to put towards it in the way of my thinking, right? Well, and, and, and then if I can interject for a second, your, your, your education on, like, what you were exactly um, experiencing, like, for instance, uh, the terpene tannin is not only found in cannabis, but it's found in uh, things like pine trees, right? Hence yeah. tannin. So, like, people who are allergic to grass might not take well to that strain, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I say it was likely the strain that I had tried at that time. And it just so happened that because I know I've got seasonal allergies, you know, and I don't know all of them at this point yet, but I'm assuming that's what it was at that time, that it was an allergy to 
one of the terpenes within the strain that I had smoked. So, yeah. Well, there you go. So we're going to take another break. After the break, I'm going to tell you guys about the stinkiest people in Hollywood. And then, coming up very, very soon, I'm going to announce who Highway Freaks is buddies with, a Canadian iconic rock band coming very soon. We'll take a break after this. Okay, so this is going a lot better than I expected. Uh, after Mother Nature threw me a kick to the gnats as well. Um, you know, uh, and I don't know what I did to piss Mother Nature off, guys, but her cold weather fry pan hit my head again so hard, it's not only going to hurt on my next paycheck, but here's something that's kind of funny. I was at the Wild Horse Casino, and they bet on everything. And if you put a bet on Bry Guy to have four delays in three weeks at $1,000 at 100 to 1 odds, guess what? None of you guys would have to work for a year. <laughs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda, man. Shoulda been making no that kidding. bet. No kidding. Better than betting who's going to sing a horrible, horrible rendition oh, at the Super Bowl. What's that, oh, Pat? What's that, Pat? The, the Kool-Aid man and the Michelin tire guys, Michelin marshmallow. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I didn't know who Rihanna was. I was kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt. Uh, personally, I, I question whether she was even really singing. Did anybody else? I mean, is that real? Because it didn't kind of look like the voice matched up with the mic. I've heard and, uh, about that lip syncing. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think. And then, uh, where's OSHA? What I mean, was with the she floating around up there on a like, uh, you know, no. what was it? The faceless dancers and all that. Red. Oh, did anyone notice? Or she, she like hardly danced. And then if you looked carefully, she almost looks pregnant, eh? Exactly. Well. I didn't know. I think yeah, she is. My husband, I'm like, yeah, she, she is pregnant. pregnant. She, yeah, she is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think she kind of announced like that was her announcement. But she just had a baby like May of last year, so she's something like that. She's a billionaire. The nannies will take. Yeah. Care. Don't worry about. Yeah. It. Right? <laughs> but yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I was. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was. It was bad. So, who do you think are the stinkiest people? The stinkiest people in Hollywood. You will be very surprised. And the number one stinky-ass person in Hollywood is my buddy. And I worked with him, actually, on Bird on a Wire. I played, it, actually, a career on a bike. And I actually did work with him for two days. Mel Gibson, he is, apparently, a very stinky-ass bastard. <laughs> um, no, no offense, Mel. No, no offense. Like, stinky what? Like, like, he doesn't take a shower? He just body has, odor, has yeah. Body, body odor? odor? Yeah. And abnormal yep. body odor? Yep. Like even after taking a shower. Yeah. Speaking of body odor, Brad Pitt has the same issue. Okay. Oh wow. Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. He does not use body odor. He doesn't believe in it. Okay. Oh. Um, the newest Batman, Robert Pattinson, is another non-deodorant person. Isn't that crazy? Okay. Singer Keisha, gorgeous woman. She does multiple showers to combat her B.O., okay? Um, Cameron Diaz, uh, she apparently uh, has uh, issues with uh, her odors, feminine odors, we'll leave it at that. Um, Jennifer Aniston has coffee breath. Courtney uh, Kardashian has declined to body deodorize while breastfeeding. Isn't that lovely? 
Jessica Simpson eats a lot of canned goods, and I've heard that's a gaseous problem. Angelina Jolie has bad breath. In fact, Brad Pitt, back in 2013, gave her breath mint as a Valentine gift. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like old breath. I want to be cocked, then, does Yeah, I've heard about that, too, about uh, him and, Je and Jolie there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and yeah. then wasn't he married to Jennifer Aniston, too? So he just had, like, uh, Prior to that, bad, yeah. bad, bad body odor vibes going there. Yeah. Wow. So Mr. Hangover, Bradley Cooper, is another non-deodorizer. He says, the body cleans itself, man. All right. So I don't think my butt cleans itself. Okay. So Beyonce is rumored to have bad breath, halitosis. Okay. Russell Crowe stinks a lot. Jennifer Lawrence. This one's a good one. Liam Hemsworth had problems kissing her in the Hunger Games and says she has extremely bad breath. Wow. Yeah. Christina Skankliera, that's what they used to call her, um, she's removed to be uh, rumored, rather, to be quite a stinky person. Uh, Kristen Stewart is known as a smelly actress. And you're going to love this one, Will. Shia LaBeouf <laughs> on the Terminator movie has body odor. <clears throat> yeah, at least uh, Shia LaBeouf, or however you pronounce it, he, he looks like a scrub. <laughs> Doesn't he only get to take a shower like once a week with Bubba in the prison, in the jail? Well, he's in jail a lot, isn't he? Isn't he the one that's in jail a lot? Shia? Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's become, he's become a bit of a bad boy. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't really know that much about him, but I think I saw that he was, like, in jail a lot. What? Is that all of them? That's, that's the top, top stinkiest people. Wow. Uh, well, I know they missed one because at one time, uh, her name, is it Lisa Bonet from Cosby? Oh, Momoa's ex-wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't believe in showers or soap. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if that changed, but, yeah. Mm -hmm. You would think with all the millions of dollars, they could, like, um, like one thing that gets rid of body odor is tea tree oil. And Will, you'll probably understand that. Tea tree oil. Why? Yeah, tea tree oil because it's an antifungal antibacterial. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm. That's not why I'm asking. Why? <laughs> what, what, what? Why would I understand that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying you're stinky. I'm Wait, what's your name, bro? <laughs> no, no. You're talking to me recently about Melaleuca <laughs> and. Um, I, I'll never forget. Oh, yeah. We were, act we were actually in it. We were actually in it. And um, I, 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 I'm even embarrassed to say it, but we went to the meetings and, you know, we, we, we bought the tapes and, you know, <laughs> this boom, blah, rah. And then we got a bonus check after being in it for six months of a dollar eighteen. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. And yeah. I just, I mean, the products are great, but the way that it's set up, no, you really got to pay your dues to make the crazy money that those top, you know, the top brass make. And um, like I said, they're great products. That's kind of like, remember Amway, or now I call it Samway? <laughs> yeah, they're both, they're both MLM, right? Yeah, well, they, they did the offshoot. The offshoot was called Worldwide Dream Builders, right? And um, they still are around, believe it or not. I couldn't believe wow. it. You know, um, oh, there's, I, I, you know, 
unfortunately, it's sad to say, but I got involved in a lot of multi-level marketing schemes when I was uh, in my early relationship with Carol. And um, one of them, and we laugh about it to this day, uh, two of them actually, i got to share them with you. I was the first person in Victoria to sell Ein's dog food door to door. And wow, it used to be sold door to door. And I'd make zero money, okay? Um, and the, the funniest one, I don't even know how I got involved with this, but I do remember my, my stepkids, Matt and Teal, helping me stuff envelopes over at the table. And we're talking thousands and thousands of envelopes, and I made zero money at that. But the one that I have to say, it was called Vitalizer. And it was a device you stuck on your carburetor to get better fuel mileage. And if you think I sold 10 of them, I was lucky if I sold one of them. Because everybody goes, well, you're not a mechanic. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Right? And, um, yeah, I just, just, oh, yeah. And I did, I did Herbalite. That was another one I did. So um, where I put the shoe boxes in people's places and said, lose, wait, now, ask me how, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have a big beef against, uh, like, uh, anything. Well, it's basically a pyramid scheme, right? And, like, there's there, there, there's a lot of them, uh, especially down in, down in here in Calgary. I, I think there's, like, so um, World Financial Group. Have you ever heard of them? They like, WFG, they, like, get their people to try and get other, well, I, I'm not sure if, if they do, still do mortgages, but at the time they were doing, like, mortgages, and, and you have to try to sell more. They wanted kids to try to sell mortgages to uh, other people, and then you would only get, like, a 1% commission or something. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. There was actually, funny you say that, there was um, a company, and I'm sure you, if you Google this, Rose, you'll know who this I'm talking about. The guy's name was A.L. Williams. And um, he created a company called Primerica. And what they basically did is they took these very uneducated people that weren't making, you know, ends meet. And they made them overzealous. I mean, overzealous insurance agents. I used to work for a fraternal organization as an insurance agent called the International Independent Order of Foresters. Had nothing to do with trees. Absolutely nothing. Um, and I banked heads with these people to the point where I physically got in fights with them when they were trying to replace insurance on my clients. And these people were just, they had no clue. All that they had is the mono, uh, buy term and invest the rest. And you were investing the rest into their very poorly, uh, uh, um, their mutual funds that were just very poorly performing. At the time, uh, we had the very best mutual funds. And they were giving amazing, amazing returns. But pretty much all that multi-level marketing is bunk. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't make a lot of money at it. You, if you start at the bottom, you got to bug everybody, and eventually you'll have no friends. So, and that's true. That's a fact, Jack. Okay, so, Will, you've got another topic, and then we're definitely going to get into the big announcement. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> so it's another hack. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But, um... Toyota, all, all of their major suppliers got hacked, including Michelin and all those really big corporations, whatever. Um, they've been, uh, they've been, collecting, oh, no. yeah, they, they've they been collecting data for uh, quite some time now. Did they deflate the Michelin man? <laughs> right? Uh, 
they were dancing at the Super Bowl. That's why they were all at the Super Bowl dancing is because they apparently needed a job. <laughs> we no. know why they were all there. <laughs> yeah, I know getting eh? They're like, yeah, you know, a c- c- company just potentially lost billions. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, uh... Nothing safe. Nothing is safe. Nothing well, is sacred. Uh, nothing safe. Nothing basically is secure anymore. Well, exactly. And and here's the thing, right? So, um, like, by trade, I, I am a penetration tester, which means that, like, I, I, I've gone through, like, the offensive security courses for hacking and whatever, and when you go out there and you try to find work with these companies, so like um, usually the work pays anywhere between I don't know five hundred dollars to about five thousand dollars, depending on what you're doing. And you know, trying to sell that to a, to a multi-billion-dollar company is like pulling teeth from a like like a baby. You know, that's it's like I I don't know. And and then they get in in this trouble where. Billions of people have been hacked, and, 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 and now you're, like, having to pay, I don't know, millions or whatever. So, like, wouldn't it have been cheaper just to pay the $5,000, <laughs> you know? People got to start taking uh, security more seriously. Well, I can tell you, as a truck driver, and I know Janet will probably be able to understand this and share this, I have been skimmed multiple times on my bank card. I have chased my bank card probably easily six times in the last three years. They have these mini tiny skimmers now. And you don't even know when you're being skimmed. Yep. And the next thing and the next thing you know, money's being sucked out of your bank account. Actually Brian, go, I, 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 I'm sorry to interject uh, for a second, but it's actually easier than a than a card skimmer. So uh, uh, there there are these devices now that are um, NFC compatible. So what they do is uh, like uh, the device. All the device has to do is bump up against that person, and and all your card information has been now downloaded onto that device. That card information then gets uh, like the the uh, device uh, that all that information is on gets connected to a, a card skimmer, and then uh, the uh, the card skimmer puts that information onto the card. That's just so scary. It is. It, it, it's gotten a lot more complex now. So much. Well, it's like when they used to bump into you and take your wallet. Only now you don't even know you've been. Yeah. Been uh, you have had anything stolen from you until too late. Mm-hmm. I I hadn't heard of that. Wow. Well, the and and the only way to prevent against this is to not have tap on your card because tap is through NFC, right? Right. That 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 right. tap that tap is the only reason why people's information is getting stolen. What what's the tap? So like you, oh, <laughs> when when when, when you just have to tap for the pay. So like when you go to Walmart and and, and you check out, instead of like swiping your card, you you just have to uh, tap it on the device, right? Oh well, I must not have that because I've never tapped. I oh. don't think they have it down in the U.S. yet. Oh no, they do. They do for sure. Oh, uh, I don't know. I've never seen it. Hmm. Anytime I've ever used one of our our Canadian cards in the U.S. I've had to actually, well, for the longest time, I had to only, I was only able to use the bank machine. Well, according to Google, uh, tap and go payments are now everywhere in the U.S. Well, uh, huh. Sometimes technology gets to be too much. Right. When, 
Yeah, when it comes to using the bank cards and the way the banking systems are set up, the U.S. is a few years, quite a few years behind us. Yeah. I'm shocked. Well, see, and, 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 and the <laughs> NFC, you, you know, um, it, I would always have it turned off on your phone. Like, if you've ever transferred information onto your phone and forgot to turn off NFC, I would, I would turn it off when you're, when you're walking. Or they, they now have these wallets uh, and uh, cell phone cases that prevent against it, right? So uh, unless you're really preventing against it, it's, it's going to happen to you 100%. Like, yeah, hackers, I don't know, now that COVID, uh, I'm going to blame it on COVID now. <laughs> now that COVID has come... Um, these these uh, computer techs or hackers have literally come out of the woodwork because uh, the governments have been been paying for courses and I, I mean you can't really uh, stop somebody from from using what they learn on 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 an innocent uh, victim right so it's uh, it, it's becoming more and more prevalent these days this is why so many companies are being hacked right more and more people are learning how to do this. Wow. That's true. And actually, all you have to do is go to YouTube for a tutorial. That's literally how easy it is. A tutorial on YouTube on learn how to hack. Yep. In a, in a one quick hour. Um. Well, oh. ma maybe not a quick hour, but there's there's people on YouTube like Network Chuck, for example. Um, and uh, Ipsec. Ipsec is is a really really good one for for the new hackers. There's like I don't know. There's about sixty or seventy episodes. But you, you can literally learn how to hack on YouTube right now. Wow. Isn't that nice? Right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like if people, people would use all that effort towards something that was good and productive, it's like, well, it would be a much better place. But well, that's, that's just like those robots you and I were talking about, Will, you know, that are in yeah. Japan, and they're already doing stuff. And, you know, um, we, we, were, we were bouncing our ideas back and forth on that, and you said, like, you know, the word Terminator, and because these robots are going to get to the point where they don't need us, and I'm not going to say it's going to happen in my generation, but oh. I truly think that the machines are going to take over people. Yeah, have you seen that movie, Megan? No. About the, the, the robot friend? Oh, it's excellent and, and scary that, it, that that could oh. really happen. I'll tell you what, Rose, I'm going to nominate you right now on, on the podcast. For all the highway freaks, you go do a movie review on it for us. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have it next week. Yeah. Uh, okay. There's your assignment, my yes. dear. <laughs> <laughs> I love to. I love doing that. It's great to be the host. You, you love delegating. The crazy-ass <laughs> things, but you can say, well, I want you to wear purple underwear. But, you know, like, that's kind of fun that way. <laughs> oh, boy. I met one bra. Speaking of bras. We are um, in our online store. We actually are going to have Highway Freaks bras. So um, I'll just let you know that ahead of time. Uh, it, coming up in the next three to four weeks when we get our store up, uh, we're going to have those bras with the truck logo on them. So anyway, okay, we have the big announcement next. Um, I, I'm still beside myself when I, I talk about this band because when I was 14 years old, uh, I idolized this band, and I can remember driving down a country road with my buddy. Uh, we were 16 years old at the time, but uh, 
what we did is we got all pissed up drunk, and uh, he knew the country roads so well. And he says, uh, he said, hey, I got, I got this album. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, what is it? He said, uh, it's from Fist. I said, Fist. And then um, I, I remembered because uh, when I was 14 years old, I was playing them. But, but he puts this song in, and it's called Thunder and Rock. And um, I don't know if you listen to it, Will, but it's got these powerful guitar riffs. And he starts rolling down the road, and then we got a county mountie that's following us, and he puts his cherries on, and he goes, watch this. And he turns out the lights. We're in pitch dark. The county mountie's trying to fly, you know, flying at us. we got dust behind, so we're, we're burying him as he's trying to chase us. And we got Thunder and Rock just playing with Thunder and Rock. Right, you know? And meanwhile, we go bombing around this country road in the dark. He knew the road so well. And it was like something out of, of a movie. He went right by a bunch of hay bales. We pulled in there. The guy pulled away. And I was, after that, I became a big fan. Like, uh, you know, uh, it started when I was 14. I was just enamored with this. So let me tell you a little bit about these guys, okay? Um, it was born in 1978 by Ottawa-born Ron Chenier. Singer, guitarist, he recruited, he, he recruited players and began honing their chops doing small clubs in and around the Toronto area. The band quickly graduated to the B circuit, turning the Eastern Canada, United States area for the next year and a half. The group took their approach to music into the studios and cut their independently released round one in the spring of 1979. The band's sound was dominated by guitars and keyboards with no in-studio tampering. Produced by Chen Ye's brother Norman, Jack, and was recorded on a shoestring budget, songs Too Late, Madness, and Who Did You Love showed the band's penchant for writing, driving simple yet complex songs. Fist returned to the road and toured practically every corner of the eastern half of the continent for the next year. The band was signed to a worldwide deal with A&M in the summer of 1980 and quickly returned to the studio. They emerged from Toronto's Amber Studios that fall and they released Hot Spikes, an anti-drug song. The band hired George Semkew to engineer and produce. The only difference between Hot Spikes and its predecessor was the new album, Caress Them Gently, backed by songs like the asthmetic reality and lead-off track Money, a song about the hustle and bustle of society's drive for materialism. Hot Spikes showed a maturity harnessed by Semkew's experience. Other notable cuts included Lord I Miss You and Teenage Love Affair, Never Come Back, Alimony, intended to gamer the band radio play. The tours continued with this scene practically every province and state over the next year. The band regrouped, and with a new release, Fleet Street, in 1981, Double or Nothing Again showcased Chen Ye's talent for writing slick guitar riffs, while Thunder and Rock was easily the year's best tune on the radio waves. With the clever addition of a sax solo, Thunder and Rock is probably most synonymous with this music, if at any song, that would be at all. However, other killer cuts included Open the Gates, the title track, and Evil Cold, backed by the album's success. Evil Cold is by a little girl being possessed, by the way. The group took the show on the road again, this time playing outdoor festivals with the likes of Heart, Motorhead, Crocus, Scorpions, and many more. The band took some time off following the tour's end in 1982 and didn't re-emerge until in the Red Album in 1983. Fist toured and then went back into the recording studio in 1985 to record the album Danger Zone, which has harnessed the intensity of tracks like Muscle Gun. 
Ron Chenier decided to take time off in 1986. The band got back together in 1991 for a series of dates on the Ontario circuit, which led to a full reunion and a new album in 1993 called Reign of Terror. Released on Mag Gada Records, Fist again landed a deal with an independent label, a crisscross tour of the continent. In 1995, Fist released a second album on Megata Records called Loud, Loud, Loud. In 2008, Fist replayed a reunion concert in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. In 2011, Ron Chenier went back into his private recording studio in his home and recorded a new album called Bolted Door 2012, which I'm actually sitting in front of with my CD right now, so I'm going to play it after the podcast. The album was signed to Hellion Records in Germany. This was very well received at the 2012 Headbanger Open Air Concert in Germany. Also, for the past 40 years, this has truly been a Canadian iconic classic rock band. And that, guys, are the band that we are hooking up with. We're very, very proud and very uh, happy that uh, we will be... Uh, Feel, well, uh, associated with Fist, and I might add, they put out a new album last year, and Will, I know you've listened to it. Oh, yeah. It's called mm. Alive, It Kicks Ass. There's not a bad song on this album, and normally that doesn't happen. Normally you get an album, and you'll go, oh, wow, Def Leppard's album, I'm really excited, and all of a sudden they play this and go, oh, okay, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. You don't do that with this. This is, they're all albums, including, they got two remakes. They got an original war that they remade from, uh, you know, the 1950s, uh, 60s song. And they also did Joan Osborne's One of Us. And I'm telling you, when you hear Ron's vocals on that, he puts a new twist on it. What Word God Was One of Us and a Slob Like One of Us, that sort of thing. We are going to play a track off of their new album called We Are Fire. And the first thing I think of when I hear that song is the Calgary Flames. Now, why do you think I take that out there, Will? Well, because uh, they, 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 they have a song that would match. <laughs> yeah, it would be a great intro to the Flames coming out. Or could you imagine the playoffs starting, the Flames score a goal, and then you hear that, We Are Fire, right? Right. You know, I think, that would be powerful. So we decided tonight we were going to play it, and maybe some of the Calgary brass might listen up and hear it. So, uh, yeah, so this will be on with us uh, on a, a future YouTube podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll have Ron on doing an interview. He's a great interview. I interviewed him 40 years ago when I came out of radio college. That gives you an idea of my age here as well. So that gives you an idea, guys, who we're, you know, we um, hooked up with. So hopefully you'll be excited, and we're going to have this merchandise very soon. We're going to be giving away some of that, and um, hopefully we will be able to sell some of this stuff to you guys as well. So uh, we're looking very forward to our friendship uh, with this and um, getting some of the guys on the band, Jeff Nystrom, Ron Chenier, Lori, uh, Rob, and uh, yeah, that's uh, something that we uh, are definitely looking forward to. So there's your big announcement. The Highway Freaks like Fist, and we're going to be uh, having them on very soon.
Yeah, yeah. Rose, what do you think of that song? Wasn't that great? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that We Are Fire chorus. So good. What do you think of that, Janet? I, I thought it was great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, you know, for guys that are in their 60s and 70s, those guys can kick it. Yeah, they really can. Um, and uh, I encourage anybody listening to get their album alive. You can actually download it on YouTube or you can um, get it from their merchandise store. Uh, and I think there's a link, I believe, on YouTube to find how to get that as well. But um, at the very least, get it on YouTube, listen to it, and uh, it's great cruising music, I'll tell you. It really makes uh, your, your day goes a lot faster when you listen to this 10 times in two weeks, which I've done, by the way. Okay, so um, before we get into Chapter 9... Uh, as you recall, I uh, wrote a book about a guy named Jasper Stevenson and his very eclectic life. We need to hear some pylon shout-outs. And let's start with Will. Yeah, um, I'd like to give uh, two red pylon shout-outs. Um, uh, one to uh, my mom, of course, because, you, you know, things have been going pretty rough. I, um, I really hope she... Uh, she, everything starts to get positive for her again. And uh, another one for my girlfriend because, man, she, she just went through surgery and, and, and what got taken out had to, like, it was deeper than what was originally thought. And, I, man, she, she hasn't been able to do anything. I actually had to drive around a couple places, so, you know. Um, and yet she, she, she still uh, puts in work to... In the, into the relationship. She still does stuff for me, so it's pretty amazing. All right. How about you, Janet? You got a pylon shadow? Um, not really this week. It's been a rough week, so <laughs> thanks, Will. <laughs> I appreciate the shout out. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's, you know what that's called? That's called a rebound shout out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's a good kid. I mean, to me, he's a kid. To everybody else, he's an adult, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, they always are babies, don't they? Yeah. How about you, Ramblin' Rose? Who's your shout-out to? I can't think of anybody specific, but I know I got to get out. I got to get out a little bit more. You do. You do. Yeah. 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 I want to give a. I'm going to call it a white and brown pylon shout-out to my little buddy behind me, snoring his little oh. bandit, because I hope he feels better. He, he keeps me up nights. He's definitely my fur baby. He's my guy. He's my trucking companion. I'd be lost without him, so I'm hoping that he will feel better tomorrow. So that's my only shadow. Get okay. better, bandit. That's right. Get better, bandit. That's right. So... All right, so chapter nine, it is a very comical chapter. It's called The Speeding Ticket of Epic Distortion. All right, so here we go. It happened the following summer place on a warm, hot, and muggy Friday night when I decided to ride like the wind. Earlier that evening, my mom asked me to pick up my brother Chuck and his friend Ford Batten at his house. Chuck invited Ford over for a sleepover at her house. So mom gave me the keys to dad's truck. Hours passed, and I arrived at the Batten house, whereby Ford and Chuck got in the back seat and were off. Then I slid that most precarious tune, Lunatic Fringe, into the tape deck as I braked for a stop sign. 
It seemed whenever I heard that song, I always drove fast. Some songs you hear just make you do that. Chuck and Ford were in the back seat rolling joints with a bag of weed he bought with him. I don't know what I was thinking, but I decided to take a drive down the drag, which was what we used to call Dundas Street. I could see over at the tower's parking lot was where all the hot-looking street rods were parked. Just as I drove past the row of parked vehicles, I had that set rewound the Red Rider and then put my foot to the floor. It's about 1 o'clock in the morning, and the incident when the local police regularly patrolled that so-called area. In my rearview mirror, I noticed a cop car following me on my rear bumper. In moments, Chuck and I and Ford were yelling at me to slow down as they had drugs in their possession, and they didn't want to really get caught with them. As I turned left onto Springbank, heading towards our house, I gave my rear view mirror another check, and to my surprise, I saw nobody trailing me. Once more, in a temporary lapse of reason, I pushed my foot down to the floor, squealed the tires, and flew down Devonshire towards our house. I don't know where the cops were, but immediately after I picked up speed, loud sirens were heard, and flashing blues mixed with red lit up the inside cab of the truck. In the meantime, Chuck and Ford were freaking out as they had plenty of weed in the truck to get busted with. At this point, both of them started ripping open the green bags and were frantically eating wads of pot into their mouths. That wasn't bad enough. Another blue and white patrol cruiser joined the chase from a side street. I sped by as my speedometer clocked in at around 125 miles per hour. I guess in my own weird way of analyzing this predicament we found ourselves in, I figured the faster I went, just maybe I could lose them. That is, if I could get a farther ahead of three, the three police cars chasing me. Unlucky for me, I drove up our driveway quickly and had to reduce my speed immediately. This was a good 60-degree incline going up in my slowest gear, and driving up in a gradual climb was strongly recommended. I executed a sharp right turn up, and, but I desperately needed to slow down to at least 30 miles per hour now. I was racing up the back paved hill so fast that I slammed my foot on the brakes to get the truck to come to a complete stop. Ford and Chuck were hanging over the front seat from the sudden force of stopping. The whole neighborhood was a kaleidoscope of reds, blues, and flashing whites. Lights from other homes lit up the neighborhood and outside porch lights were flickering on. My dad was downstairs watching some late night TV, gazed out the basement window, and he decided not to intervene. My mom, on the other hand, had one of the, her most renowned headaches been quietly lying on the living room couch trying to sleep off the irritating pain. She quickly got up and barreled out the front door in her pink house coat, slippers along the washcloth falling off her head as she moved. She made a beeline for the police cruiser with me sitting in another blue and white. My brother Chuck and his pal Ford were being grilled by the cops, but what has happened? If you were one of those night owls who rose up to see what the commotion was about, you heard my mom yelling at me in the top of her lungs. Oddly enough, she went over to the other car that housed my brother and his friend yelling at them for a different reason. The cop was trying to calm my mother down, and Mr. Sutlin, our nosy neighbor, was gazing out of his living room window again, watching all this unfold. Two of the police officers asked Ford and Chuck if I'd been drinking or doing drugs previous to my speeding. Keep in mind, they were both somewhat stoned from the smoking and eating the marijuana just 20 minutes before. So in answer to the question, you heard these words come out of my brother's mouth. Hell no, officer. Jasper don't even smoke. He don't drink much, Chuck replied. Well, the two uniformed officers, the cops, they were completely dumbfounded as to why I was trying to outrun all three of the police cruisers at once. Apparently, I'd even reduced my speed enough when I first noticed in my rearview mirror. I was going to let you go when you were stopped at the corner of Springbank and Devonshire, 
tell the cop told me, but when you sped up like you did, I figured you were hiding something, he added. I was speechless. I really didn't know how to reply. Excuse me for a moment, I said. Subsequently, I exited the police car and went back to my dad's truck with another policeman following me somewhat. Suddenly, without warning, a trigger-happy young rookie cop yelled, He's going for a gun! As I reached for the cassette deck and popped out the cassette in it, I held it up in my arms, showing the uniformed men what I had concealed so they were even now more confused. Instantly, I yelled, Wait! Hang on a goddamn minute! Then I placed the cassette very slowly on the pavement with my hands still held up. Additionally, I crushed that precarious cassette with my right shoe as everyone looked absolutely dumbfounded, puzzled, as just shaking their heads. Yeah, I really faced the music that night. At the end of all, I was charged with a $125 fine to match the $125 mile per hour they clocked me in at. In fact, there was no such thing as radar guns back then, so what they came up with was my speed by what they pursued me at. It was agreed that the police had sped up to 115 miles per hour chasing me, therefore I was probably doing about 125 or more, as they could not keep up to me, so that number ended up being the final amount on my ticket. Conversely, my punishment didn't end there either. The demerit point system had just been implemented in Ontario, hence I gained nine points instantly when it became official in the spring of the next year. I lost the privilege of ever driving my dad's truck again permanently. Last, but certainly not least, I had to attend a demerit point interview and explain to the powers to be why I needed to keep my license. The final verdict ended up being losing it for three months and being on probation following that year. That meant no speeding tickets, I'd lose it until I was 18. The funny part of all of this was that my mom blamed my brother Chuck for the whole incident because I just had to get him those damn cigarettes she stated that night. I still laugh when I recall the story even to this day. Like I said before, my dad always said I had a left foot and all that excessive speed would someday, someday get me in a lot of trouble. And he was right again. On August 12, 1980, the world was shaken when a much beloved Beatle, John Lennon, was shot dead outside his apartment in New York City by Mark Chapman. I still remember watching the TV news that morning when the show I was watching was interrupted by the tragic news. And in a related story, Canadian Playboy playmate Dorothy Stratton was murdered by her estranged husband. The weather got scalding hot in the summer of 1980 with the United States suffering a massive heat wave. This affected the Midwest southern plains, claiming the lives of over 1,700 people. On TV, Phil Donahue was the most popular daytime controversial talk show host, while Dallas became an instant nighttime soap opera hit. The music artists and bands were listened to back then were Blondie with lead singer Deborah Harry, Pink Floyd, and Billy Joel. It was, of course, Michael Jackson, Captain Antoniel, Queen, and Paul McCartney, and his first band, uh, along with the Australian bombshell Olivia Newton-John, I had such a crush on her that I wrote to her fan club back then, and of course they sent me a presumed personal autograph of hers. Then came September, and it was back to high school for me, and time to meet my first true love in grade 9. Coming up, Chapter 10, Possessed Love. Okay, so we're back after that speaker commercial. Thank you very much. And um, just wanted to say some parting words. Uh, unfortunately, J-Man the Snarl was not here on the podcast. Hopefully he will get his part edited in and you freaks can hear that as well. We do have an email for our podcast. Highwayfreaks589 at gmail.com is our email as well. Um, and we will have some merchandise from this coming up very, very soon. Hopefully in the next two or three podcasts they will be on their way. And I've also heard uh, Little Bird just told me 
they got some brand new t-shirts, live t-shirts from the album. And speaking of the album, if you guys haven't heard it yet, go to YouTube, just type Fist Alive, it will come up and uh, you'll be able to get the album. And then another thing, if it doesn't come up, you will get other Fist albums on there, such as Hot Spikes, In the Round, and uh, Danger Zone. So uh, certainly check that out. Uh, we are looking forward to having the guys in the band. And um, that's all I got to say. This is an amazing podcast tonight. And I look forward to podcast number 23 as well, which we like to call them visits because thank you for visiting us and um, everybody stay safe on the roads.